listening to season two of fit to be radio a production of fit to be studio which specializes in home workouts and e-courses online for those dealing with diastasis recti our goal this season is to connect the dots between fitness and other psychosocial dimensions of wellness so hey strap on your sneakers and take us for a walk while we talk or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch while you enjoy the show Welcome to Fit to Be Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. As always, I've got with us Beth Leonard. She's the CEO and founder of Fit to Be Studio. We also have a guest with us today. I'm very excited to talk to. Her name is Katie Taylor. In the pre-show, we were talking a little bit about um, kind of this interesting situation and, and Beth, how you and Katie know each other. So can you fill, fill us in on what's going on? Well, today we're going to be talking about hormone replacement therapy and some of the myths and facts surrounding that as it relates to um, the big alarming bell of breast cancer and what the truth is surrounding that, but also how it relates to other facets of female health and fitness, because there's just a lot of misinformation out there. And Katie and her family really have been involved in a lot of the research and um, public uh, health messaging around this. And she has an amazing website called the Latte Lounge, where she does a lot of work with raising awareness. And I found her because I came across a pretty viral video where her and her dad, who's a professor, um, and he's been involved in a lot of research when it comes to hormone replacement therapy, were on Sky News talking about this. And it just was so mind blowing. We're linking to that in the show notes. So be sure you scroll down and give that a watch later because it's amazing. So, so I was Beth, like, I got to get this lady on my show. <laughs> so Beth, you found Katie through uh, seeing that on social media. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Now, Katie, where, where, are you, where are you from? Um, I'm from London, England. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you li- do you live in London now? Yeah, I live in London. I live in the suburbs, uh, just okay. sort of north London. And, yep. And- and how long have you been there? Your whole life or you moved there? Um, I grew up in London, but moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania when I was two because okay. my f- only for a year and a half because my father, who's, as you've said, is a breast cancer professor, we've moved around the world a lot because of his job. Right. So wherever his hospital was is where we lived. But mostly I've been in London. Got it. So London and Pittsburgh are almost exactly the same. How old were you when you were in Pittsburgh? I, I have no memory. I was two and I left when I was four. Got um, it. But, and we moved to Wales for about six years before okay. coming back to London. So, But I've seen some pretty pictures and it looks gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, perfect. And you love and you love it where you are. So we need to do we need to do some more fit to be filming over there in in London area. <laughs> I, I think that. it would be fun. I've been to London. It's amazing. So um, HRT hormone replacement therapy. I think that um, there is a little bit of uh, common awareness of that, but I think most people aren't going to know what that is. So can you take a couple of minutes and explain you know, just what we're actually talking about? Sure. Well, I mean, women, um, we all have hormones. 
obviously men do too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, when we're at, you know, school, we, we learn about obviously things like reproduction and periods. Um, and there's very little about um, sort of post-birth. So it normally sort of stops after you've given birth to a baby. So um, obviously I'll talk about my story a little later on, but the main sort of three hormones um, that, that females have are estrogen, number one, uh, progesterone, number two. And a lot of women don't know, but we also do have testosterone. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the three sort of hormones in play. Um, and what happens, which is something I had no idea about, I'm obviously slightly embarrassed to say is that um, after about 40 uh, some women have early menopause but usually after about 40 the estrogen levels um, start to decline um, and they can have all sorts of effects on your body um, we we have estrogen receptors all over our body you know in our brains you know in our organs all, all over um, and when they're depleted that's when symptoms um, start to show or rear their head hmm. so we have all these body parts that actually need estrogen mm -hmm. and they have little receptors little gates little grabbers that pick up estrogen um but as we get older we don't make as much of it for mm -hmm. various reasons so there's a big fight inside of our body fighting over how much estrogen we have mm -hmm. for all the different parts and pieces essentially right yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and obviously, you know, for women, um, you know, these who have their ovaries, they, they you know, there starts to be the, the estrogen levels decline. Um, some women like myself end up having to have a hysterectomy, which, um, and if you have your ovaries removed, then you have, you're completely depleted. Because the ovaries are the primary producer of estrogen, right? Mm -hmm. There's yeah, no part that makes estrogen. No, um, I must. I must say, just sort of outright, I'm not a doctor. I'm a doctor's daughter, so right. um, yeah. So I don't want to sort of your listeners to sort of think I'm giving out medical advice. Right. But I have learned through my own story and my own experience an awful lot about mm -hmm. hormones and how you know they work or fail, um, mm -hmm. and obviously how HRT can replace you know what you're naturally losing. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Hmm. So it's like my sister had thyroid cancer and so she has to be on stuff that replaces what her thyroid would be making. Yeah. So it's a similar concept of your body's not making the hormones you need. So you take something that's going to replace those hormones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, look, my uh, what happened to me and why I've sort of come into this whole arena very mm -hmm. out of the blue and unexpected was that, you know, at the age of 43, um, I was a mum with four kids, you know, working part time, running a home, very busy, but I was, I was a coper. I, I managed very well with everything. Um, and it was only, you know, I started to feel a lot of bizarre things, but as a busy mum, I just put it down to being busy. So I felt, you know, very tired. Um, I had this sort of brain fog. Um, I couldn't remember a lot of words. You know, my memory wasn't sharp anymore. Um, you know, and then weird things like itchy skin, heart palpitations, insomnia. And so what happened for me is that I kept going back um, to my doctor 
with each individual's sort of symptom saying, mm. you know, I'm feeling this and feeling that. And every time they put it down to something else. Um, and, and, and what happened to me to cut a very long story short is this went on for four years and I was mm. sent to heart specialists, dementia specialists, um, you know, dermatologists, um, every specialist wow. you can imagine. Um, you know, I had every test under the sun and nobody actually put two and two together, including myself. They just said, you're suffering from depression, uh, mm. maybe work, give up work or work less. Um, <sighs> go on antidepressants and let's see if that helps. Um, and you see, it was only because my father, who's a breast cancer professor, I, I actually just broke down crying one day and said, dad, I just don't feel right. And he mm. said, I think this is hormones. I, I actually don't think this is depression at all. Um, and sent me to a gynecologist in London who specializes in menopause. And literally within half an hour, she said, this is classic perimenopause symptoms and prescribed me HRT. Um, now, I'd ne I don't know about many of your listeners, but for the work I do, I've thousands and thousands of people are saying the same story. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it was one of those sort of light bulb moments. Well, I've never heard of perimenopause, uh, which is basically the it can be 10 years before menopause where your hormone mm. levels start to drop. And as you and I were chatting, all those estrogen receptors, you know, if they're lacking in estrogen, like you said with your sister with, you know, lacking in thyroid, if you're mm -hmm. not replacing it, you know, you can start getting all these sort of uh, symptoms which you don't realize are actually all connected together right um, so that you know that was kind of my story and that's the reason why I set up originally it was a Facebook group I called it the latte lounge just because I don't know about you but my best chats are always with my girlfriends in the coffee shop so I kind yeah. of I just wanted to replicate that online um, and when I started that Facebook group there were within a day I had about 2,000 members join um, wow. So I wasn't alone. I, I thought I was the only person who was stupid enough not to have connected the dots. Wow. Um, and actually, there was just nowhere really on Facebook to talk about not just menopause, but all midlife stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like the work you do, there's a lot about babies. I joined all the baby groups when my kids mm -hmm. were younger. But it was like none of the groups that I was part of had kind of grown up with me. <laughs> oh, that's so well said. You're so right. I know it's like there's a point where you're not you're not raising babies anymore, and now yeah, it's really a different phase, and you, you need information about that next phase. Uh, that's right, and then that's why I set that up. And then I thought I've got to also set up this website. I've got to get a group of medics together um, to start supporting women with, as you said, evidence-based scientific, mm -hmm. you know, information that's easy to read, that's not complicated, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I can understand, <laughs> um, yeah. and to start to signpost women for the right support. Mm -hmm. um, and HRT has been an absolute game changer for me. I'm not saying it's for everyone. Lots of people don't want to go on it or can't go on it, and that's fine. Um, but I'm like the old person I was. You know, I've got brain clarity. I've got energy. I sleep like a baby. Um, you know, I'm happy again. Um, 
So that, you know, so that's sort of taking you up to where we are talking about HRT today and why I'm very pro it if you do want to go on it and you can. Um, and to get rid of these sort of myths that are causing a lot of people a lot of concern. Right, right. Um, yeah, so, so you and I, obviously, you sort of came across that. So the bit of background to the Sky News report was um, there was a terrible, I say terrible, there was a terrible press release that was sent out to The Lancet, which is, I think it's just UK, isn't it? I don't think it's, it's a UK... Um, um, I, I mean, with, with Facebook spreading everything in social media, it's like, I don't know where this is from. But yeah. <laughs> so basically, there was a press release that was put out by The Lancet, um, which is a medical journal. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it's UK based. Mm -hmm. um, and it was bringing up a lot of old data saying that HRT um, caused breast cancer. Um, and we've kind of put that old stuff to bed in 2012 when the Women's Health Initiative report came out. Um, and a lot of, when that report came out in 2012, thousands and thousands of women came off HRT. Um, mm. a, a lot of women became very depressed again, some suicidal, um, and it caused a lot of problems. We've, a lot of us in, in this, this sort of area have then been doing a lot of hard good work campaigning mm -hmm. um, to sort of reassure women again. And then this report sort of reared its sort of ugly head, if you like. And Sky basically said, would dad and I come on and kind of spread some light and <laughs> yeah. um, so reassure women? Hmm. Yeah, so I have, I have a couple of questions that kind of popped into my head. First of all, um, you said you did a lot of testing and were struggling with this for a bit. And when you did all of the testing, did the, did the doctors, and I'm assuming they're regular, um, just regular Western medicine doctors. Yeah, so it was started off with um, our general practitioner that we go to. Um, um, and, you know, they you, you only get 10 minutes. It's the National Health Service, which, you know, I'm very proud that the UK have. Um, so it's a free, you know, health service, but you only get 10 minutes. Um, and it's not enough t time to sort of, A, put two and two together, but B, doctors don't have mandatory menopause training. And right. this is actually one of the things I'm helping um, a lady called Diane Danzibrink with. I'm helping her campaign at government level to try and change that. Yeah. Because the GPs aren't trained in, in noticing menopause or perimenopause symptoms. Well, that crazy. makes sense because not very many people have to ever go through that. I know. Nobody's going through menopause. It's not. <laughs> at super all. rare. Super rare. <laughs> uh, so I, guess, I guess my one question is, is did, did they do any actual hormone testing or all the tests that you're talking about, were they other kinds of tests? Well, so they never actually said a hormone test. So they tested for things like thyroid and they did blood tests. But the problem is um, over the age of 45, you don't even need blood tests because your hormone levels change every time you go. So your reading <laughs> on one visit could be completely different on another visit. So, sim you know, the, we have nice guidelines over here, which are guidelines given to doctors, which they're meant to familiarize themselves with, saying that over the age of 45, symptoms are enough 
to make a diagnosis. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, people don't, aren't, doctors are not special, these uh, general practitioners, they're, they're general practitioners, they're not specialists. So they don't read all these guidelines. So I, I was, uh, so they never actually sort of tested for my hormone levels, but they tested for pretty much everything else. Right. Um, and even the blood tests that they may have tested for estrogen, at the time of testing, it might've been fine. And then, you know, maybe a year later, it might've been terrible. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I was seen by, as I said, a psychiatrist. Um, I was seen by a heart specialist, cardiologist, um, and they were just looking at those particular areas, and everything was fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of a sad state um, because hormones actually control pretty much how everything runs. So mm -hmm. it seems odd. And this, and, and I think another thing that people kind of get in their mind is that women have hormones and like, that is ridiculous. Like all humans have uh, a massive amount of hormones, hormone production, hormone receptors, constantly yeah. all Absolutely. moving at different levels to control everything in your body. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's um, telling that we're, you know, that there, there's a lot of awareness starting to happen, but it's still very small compared to what needs to happen. And, you know, this is something that affects um, basically every single person. Like, there are periods in certain genders where it's more difficult and more, should be more obvious, actually, for a doctor to pinpoint, uh, like menopause, things like this. But, like, hormones and how they affect the body and testing them and therapy around them, like, everybody should be paying attention to that. Yeah, and I think I think that that's not the case. I think the problem is is that people are very focused on the word menopause. Menopause is actually one day. It's classified as a year after your last period. So you know, hooray, let's all have a big party. That's one day. It's gone. But actually, nobody talks about. And I think what we should be focusing on is perimenopause because this is you know ten years before, and yeah. I didn't have I didn't have hot flushes, and I was still having periods. So the, and and the, so the doctor said, "Are you having hot flushes?" And I went, "No." And I have periods, yes. So they went, "Oh well, it's not that then." Um, and so you know that that is why we need to focus, I think, more on this. You know, ten years mm. before when our hormones are declining. Yeah, I um, agree. I mean, there's an amazing um there's an amazing book um an american uh, friend of my father's a colleague he's a fantastic guy um a dr avram blooming and uh, carol tarvis they've written this brilliant book which you know i really think your listeners would would get a lot from reading it's called estrogen matters um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it, um, Avram's uh, wife and his daughter both had breast cancer and he's put them both on HRT. And that mm. says a lot. Um, and the, you know, the, the, the theory obviously behind the book is that estrogen is so important for bone health, you know, and, you know, women are dying from osteoporosis. Um, yeah. you know, cardiovascular disease, um, it, it sort of reduces your risk um, of that too. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's been a lot of studies showing it, it um, can help prevent dementia, which is also, um, you know, number of what number one killers. So, you know, we need to be looking at all cause mortality. 
um, and you know the reduction of heart disease, stroke, osteoporosis, dementia, even I hate to say it, but suicide. You know, there's <laughs> there is no coincidence. The highest rate of suicide um, in women is is between the ages of about sort of forty five and fifty five. Um, yeah, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of uh, a little bit scary um, mm. to do diagnosis in such a simple you know, let's just look at one or two things. Oh, it's not that and write it off. I mean, you, you could sever a limb and if it's done in a certain way, your nerve endings are such that you won't feel that. So mm. you go to the doctor with no, with no hand and like, well, how does your hand feel? It feels fine. Yeah. Well, it's not that then. Like that <laughs> would be ridiculous. <laughs> Clearly not that. Like that, I feel like that's kind of what happens with some of these things. And mm. so, I'm super excited to hear the work that you guys are doing to kind of create awareness um, just out there, but then also through regulation to say, hey, we need to be paying attention to some of these things at the very highest levels because not everybody is going to get into your Facebook group and not everybody's going to mm. listen to this podcast, but we're still talking about hundreds of millions of people that are dealing with this daily. Absolutely. aren't really sure what's happening to their body because no one really, you know, taught them about this ahead of time. And so, you know, I, I think it's, there's a lot of ground that needs to be made in this area. Um, I mean, one of the most simplest things that I've been really pushing, um, again, you know, with Diane Danzibrink, who's a menopause counselor over here. Um, and I've also worked quite closely with a, a Dr. Louise Newson, who's a menopause GP. And we've actually been to Westminster and been lobbying our, our members of parliament there. The, a very, very simple thing to do is to, and, we, and what is what I say to all the women that come to us, there's a symptom checklist on both their websites. Um, it's also on my website. And, you know, there are, Offer, there's 33 plus symptoms of perimenopause and if they just print off the symptom checklist um, and tick all the ones that they've been feeling and take that to their doctor and say you know I've been you know do I've been doing my own research I think I might be suffering from perimenopause this is my symptom checklist um, if their doctors kind of clued up on it great if not I, I'm not sure about in the states but we often say can I be referred to a menopause specialist mm -hmm. um, now sadly in the UK there's only about 25 which is just dreadful uh, uh, yeah it's and so from on the free you know NHS it's you know the waiting lists are huge so you know sadly and it's not right especially you know over in this country we're not used to paying for health care uh, you know women are having to go to see private specialists um, to just get um, the right treatment well over here you know we we pay for the health care which is supposed to cover things but there's also still a big blind spot and what I run into is um, convincing women that they are worth paying a little extra if their health insurance doesn't cover a specialist, um, that, you know, Hey, even if that specialist is going to charge you a couple hundred dollars to sit down with you for an hour and, and, and maybe spend a few hundred dollars on tests that if you get this sorted out, you're looking at 10 or 15 years of better, better life. Mm -hmm. And also, like you said, reducing all cause mortality. We're so fixated on the boobs and, and breast cancer and save the tatas and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but that's, I think you mentioned in the pre-show, it's number seven, number yeah. seven killer of women. 
when there's a bunch of other stuff ahead of that, like mental health, suicide, heart health is number one here in the States for women. Uh, You've got osteoporosis. Women spend more time in, and I've I've said this in other shows, I'm going to keep saying it because I feel like people may not be hearing it. So people in the back, osteoporosis causes women to spend more time in the hospital and ends up killing more people in the long run than breast cancer does. Absolutely. And exercise is huge for bone stuff, but also hormones, because if we don't have our hormones all balanced out, you can't, you can't pour from an empty pitcher. And also people are so fixated on this HRT, you know, they've heard these sort of press stories, horror stories, HRT causes, causes breast cancer, you know, and so they believe a lot of this false news. Um, but actually, um, you know, I mean, I'll give you an example. My dad actually sort of broke it down for me so I could understand it better. So he said, if we consider a woman who's 50, I'm actually 50 now, and she Mm -hmm. takes combined HRT for five years, and you follow her up in 20 years, the incidence of breast cancer goes up from 6.3% to 8.3%. And that's an additional 2%. Now, if you consider someone like me, who's 50 again, who has had a hysterectomy, so I only take estrogen because I don't need the progesterone because I don't have a womb, uh, for five years. And if you follow me up in 20 years, my incidence goes up from 6.3% to 6.8%. So we're talking about 0.5%. Now, my risk of breast cancer is much higher being obese, not exercising and drinking a glass of wine a night. But nobody, you know, when all my friends, yeah, all my friends, they're, you know, a lot of them are overweight or some of them aren't or, or they exercise, some don't, but they always have a couple of glasses of wine and they don't think about it. And yet if I say I'm on HRT, they immediately go, oh. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so we need to look at, uh, you know, as we've been saying, is sort of the, the overall health picture, you know, I, and it's about informed um, decision making with your doctor. Right. So go to your do- doctor, discuss the risks, you know, uh, right. if I'm overweight, if I'm smoking, if I'm drinking wine, if I'm not exercising, actually, those risks are much higher right. than go- just going on HRT. Well, and plus, Let's talk about the stats, and this is in the video. I'm gonna, we're gonna do our best. We will, we will link it. Mm. We'll be there. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it was such a great interview with your dad and you and Sky News. Um, but he lists out some stats on. Uh, okay, yeah, your breast cancer risk goes up whoop, a little tiny bit, but your risk of other stuff goes way down. Yeah, absolutely. What are some things that hormone replacement therapy really lowers your risk for? Well. Uh- um, you know, uh, heart disease, you know, we've said, we've just been talking about it, heart right. disease, stroke, osteoporosis, dementia, suicide, you know, actually, I, I, I have weighed up the pros and cons, and I am um, very happy with my decision, but that's because, you know, I've surrounded myself by experts and information, Now, not most people are not lucky enough to, to do that, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, to actually... <laughs> you know, give people some very simple under- to understand resources and signpost them to some fabulous professionals, whether it's Avram Blooming in the States and Carol Tarvis or yeah. over here, you know, Diane and Louise and, and the British Menopause Society. You know, it, it's just women need to basically, at the moment, they need to be partners with their doctors in terms of doing their own research because. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, unfortunately, 
you know, doctors are not as up to date as we'd all like them to be in this area. Why? I feel like this is a, like, okay. Basic doctoring 101. Here are the phases of a person's life. And these are the major signs and symptoms of like 10 to 15 to 20 years of a woman's life. And, mm-hmm. and these things mean this. All right. That's like, I mean, cover that on class 101. Although I got to say too, like I have a 14 year old daughter and um, she's at that age where she's um, mandatory, mandatory sex ed, right? Yeah. So I was looking at the requirements because I homeschool her part-time and then she's at classes part-time. But I'm supposed to actually ensure that she gets that sex ed requirement. That's, it falls into my court, not the schools. It's very interesting in what we're doing. So I was looking at the topics they want to cover and I was disappointed. I actually feel like they're not covering enough. Like, well, that's, you know, yeah, how to not get STDs and, um, and, and how to avoid pregnancy. Okay. Okay, great. But this is actually a great time to say, Hey girls, here are the stages of your life. Here are some things you need to be aware of. And we do that in the fit to be girls course. We cover that stuff, but you know what? I got to admit right now, we don't cover menopause in the girls course. Mm-hmm. And well, as I was talking to my daughter, I'm like, oh my gosh, we need, I need to fit this into the girls course on fit to be. This is ridiculous. Absolutely. And, and one of, so I was talking about this campaign Diane has started. It's called the Make Menopause Matter, hashtag Make Menopause Matter campaign. Yeah. So, um, and the three campaign aims, one of them was to get it on the school, the UK school curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it would be great to have it in the States too, um, but obviously we can only lobby our own parliament members here Um, and that has actually been achieved which is a huge success so from September all secondary school children over here are now going to learn about menopause within their sex education which is a huge achievement Um, the two remaining campaign aims over here are to get workplace menopause policies in place um, Mm -hmm. and for all GPs to have mandatory menopause training Um, now there's a lot of um, big corporations that have recently finally come out and said they're going to support this so Channel 4 News um, was one and trying to think who the other um, there was another I can't actually remember but there was another big company that came out literally today Um, (laughs) and because there's you know women are leaving jobs so very you know good women who've had some you've got so much to give are living are leaving their Mm -hmm. jobs because they're not being supported they're falling apart in the workplace Um, and I I think I wanted to go back to one of the things that you were saying Um, I think why we're at where we're at is because in People used to, women used to have their menopause at 50 and die at 54. So it was never really a big issue. But now we're sort of living, you know, the average length of life, you know, is hopefully 80 plus. So, we're, you know, women are living longer. So we, and they, what, they're working longer. Um, so it's, you know, it's becoming a lot more apparent. I think, you know, our parents' generation or that generation before kind of, you know, stop, you know, had their babies, stayed at home, and that was kind of it. But mm. because we're all living longer and working longer, we're, we're much more aware that we're not feeling right. right. Um, mm. uh, so, you know, it's important to 
you know, be having this conversation. That raises an interesting point. Like this, um, this idea and, and this inner drive to not just have kids and lay down and die once yeah. they're up and out of the house, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's never been a thought of mine. I, my mom is 77 and she's still very vital to mm. my family and her community. She serves, she volunteers. Um, she's held down quite a few jobs over the years. Um, my dad depends on her. My, my children adore her. I can't imagine if she had that mindset or if we had lost her in her mid fifties. Um, but I, and I've watched her fight for her own health. That's probably where I, I get some of that passion because I've seen her do it. It never has occurred to me to do something different, but like Mm -hmm. you just pointed out, it wasn't like that a couple hundred, hundred years ago. Um, but now that we know we can live longer, I want to live a good life. Mm. I don't want to live life in bed if I don't have to. I got a taste of that when I had my neck surgery a couple years ago. That was no fun. No, exactly. And I think that was one of the things going through my head was, you know, I was just so busy and active and having a lovely life. And there was nothing wrong with my life. You know, I was very fortunate. You know, I didn't really have too much sort of financial worries. I had a both sets of parents were well and my kids were well and I had a very happy marriage, 25 years. So why was I feeling so bad? And and also my joints were aching and I was thinking, Mm. I can't just suddenly be an old woman overnight. You know, but a lot of women just think, oh, aching joints, stiffness, all that, that's just old age. But I was 43 and I I was exercising and eating right. And I thought, well, that's, that can't be right. And, you know, so the estrogen has made my bones, you know, strong and, and supple and, uh, you know, please God, I've got a, you know, another good few years now. Good. Um, and I want everyone else to feel this, this way. And listen, I, I'm not, I'm not a pusher of HRT. There's lots of women who, who don't want to have it or can't have it. And there's lots of, there are lots of other things you can do. Um, but there is obviously nothing you can do to replace lost, you know, hormones. Right. So what would your advice be to someone that is listening to this and thinking, you know, maybe that's what's going on with me. Like what, what, what would you suggest they do? Um, well, so what we always say to women is, um, to take, have a look at the symptom checklist. Um, yeah, and um, have a look at the symptom checklist, tick them off. If this is all a light bulb moment for you, go, you know, do your research, look up perimenopause, look up menopause, you know, either on my website or, or any good menopause website and, and just take, read the information, take it in um, and then go to your doctor with your symptom checklist and just say, I think I'm feeling this. Can I, um, is there someone who, who is a specialist in menopause I can talk to? Um, and can we have a discussion about what's available and, and about HRT? Um, but I definitely, you know, I'm, I don't gain anything from recommending this book, but I definitely recommend reading uh, Dr. Avram Blumen's book um, and Carol Tarvis called Oestrogen Matters because it'll really reassure women um, 
uh, and their partners, because the men suffer too. My husband said he'd lost his wife and he never thought he'd get me back. So, mm. you know, we want to support men as well so they understand what's going on with their wives so they don't give up and despair <laughs> and leave, leave each other and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so, who is this person who's replaced the person I've known my whole life? Yes, exactly. And if it's something, I mean, the point is this is treatable. And I'm fairly certain that as much as we all love breasts, <laughs> um, for as many purposes as they serve um, to so many parties, children and, and, and mates and all that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to sacrifice a, um, a 2% greater risk if that means that my other risk factors go down and I get to have a longer life. Um, yeah. And, and it's quality of life. I mean, the thing that I, I've been brought up, you know, that, and, you know, a bit like you sort of carrying the baton for your mum. I feel I'm carrying the baton of my father. He's worked for 50 years for no personal gain um, to find the cure for breast cancer. But also um, his thing, you know, medicine is about improving length of life and quality of life. Uh, and so this is my kind of small way of carrying his baton is helping women to improve their quality of life and length of life by giving them evidence-based information, support and signposts to, you know, help them live their yeah. best lives. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Katie, where can people find your Facebook group and your website? And we'll put links in the, in the show notes, but where can people find you? Um, so the website is www.latte lounge. So that's L A T T E lounge.co, just the C and the O. <laughs> um, and actually, if you are on the front of that website, you'll see join our Facebook group here. Just click on that and it'll yeah. take you through there. And there's a contact page there as well. So if people want to email me to talk about their experiences and get some support and signposting, if they go to the contact, um, page, you know, I'm very happy to support anyone. Mm. Thank That's you awesome. so much. It yeah. has been amazing to talk to you, and and I'm I'm glad you're not a doctor because <laughs> I, mean, I love talking to doctors, but but your angle and your perspective that you've shared as the daughter of a researcher and a person who's experienced this yourself and a person who is lobbying um, for women's health is just so awesome. It's it's yeah. been an honor to have you. Thank you. It's lovely meeting you both too. Yeah. Have a great day. Thanks Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap, friends and fans. Be sure to check out the links attached to this episode and subscribe to Fit to Be Radio on iTunes. Oh, and remember those workouts we mentioned in the show? You can access them all on fittobe.com if you join as a member. I recommend premium access. It's the best deal. We'd also appreciate your follows, likes, comments, and shares on Instagram at Fit2B Studio, on Facebook at Fit2B Tummy Safe Fitness, and on Twitter at Fit2B.